Hello and welcome to the Bridge City Church podcast. If you would like to get connected, you can find us on Facebook at Bridge City Church or come along to our Sunday service at 10am. We'd love to have a coffee and a chat. We hope you enjoy this week's message. See you at church. In Gordon Brownville's uh, book, Symbols of the Holy Spirit, he talks about the great uh, Norwegian explorer, Roald Amundsen. He was the first man to uh, discover the magnetic meridian of the North Pole and also to discover the South Pole. On one of his trips, Amundsen took a homing pigeon with him. And when he had finally reached the top of the world, he opened the cage and set the bird free. Imagine the delight of a Munson's wife back in Norway when she looked up from the doorway of her home and saw the pigeon circling in the sky above. And no doubt she was thinking to herself, he's alive, my husband's alive. And so it was that after Jesus' death, resurrection and ascension, Jesus had gone from his disciples in bodily form, but they hung on to the promise that he'd given them that they would see the Holy Spirit and he would send it to them. Amundsen's wife was filled with joy when she saw the pigeon return and likewise the disciples were filled with joy when the Holy Spirit descended upon them at Pentecost. The disciples had with them the continual reminder that Jesus was alive and victorious and at the right hand of the Father. And the Holy Spirit continues to glorify Jesus as Lord and Saviour and his actions are always witness to this, not just Jesus as Lord and Saviour. Why does he do this? Well, it's quite simply because the Holy Spirit is our helper. Reading from John 14.26 tells us, and I'm reading from the New International Version, It says, but the Advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you things, teach you all things, and will remind you of everything that I've said to you. Now, the NIV that we just read calls the Holy Spirit the Advocate, but other translations, for example, the New American Standard Bible calls the Holy Spirit the Helper. Why do we need a helper? Well, the Kingdom of God is the answer for our lives, but it operates under different laws to the ones we're used to. To live successfully in God's kingdom, we need to change our attitudes and expectations. And while that might initially seem daunting, the Holy Spirit is there to help us and give us direction and insight into how we should conduct our lives as God's children. When we become God's children, we are transformed. The word transformed in Greek comes from the word morph and, it, and it's from this word that we get the word metamorphosis. And perhaps when you think of metamorphosis, the first thing you think of is um, butterflies. Right? Butterfly starts out as a caterpillar, but then after metamorphosis, it becomes a butterfly. And I was looking at this a few weeks ago and there's a painted lady butterfly that's in Europe, it's relatively small, but it can travel an astounding 4,000 kilometres at a time. 
It flies at an altitude of 3,000 feet as it travels between Europe and Africa. The round trip takes over a year and up to six successive generations to complete the journey. Right? So, in other words, the but one butterfly can't last the distance of the journey, but its descendants complete the trip. As a caterpillar, it sees only the leaves of the plant in front of it, right? All it can see is these leaves that it's going to eat. But after the transformation or metamorphosis, it looks completely different, radically different. It flies and it has a much larger view of the world. As a caterpillar, its concept of life is very limited. And I'd say that our concept of life before we become Christians is limited to how we make our way in the world and what we see as success. You might say that we're limited to what life's like on our plant of our life. And after being reborn as Christians, we are transformed by the Holy Spirit and our life is now full of all sorts of hope and possibilities for the future. As we read God's Word, that is the Bible, the Holy Spirit is able to bring to us our understanding of the concept of God's kingdom. So the Holy Spirit is wanting to fill us with his power so that we can achieve this transformation in our lives. We will we'll struggle if we try and do this in our own willpower. Right? We all know that if we're trying to be good. We're always falling down and struggling. But the Holy Spirit is our helper and, and helps us with this. You know, I gave my heart to Jesus when I was nine years old. But I wasn't filled with the Spirit and speaking in tongues until I was about 20 years old. <clears throat> and each year we used to have a weekend camp or retreat for um, the youth or young adults in our church. And the year that I was 20 was quite memorable because the Holy Spirit began to move in the lives of those who were at this camp. And those of us who were there were changed. We just came away wanting to praise God and look at things differently. And although the weekend had been a great experience, I wasn't sure, I wasn't really aware that I'd changed. I thought, I'm, yeah, that was good, but I'm still the same. But then on the Monday morning following the weekend, I was at work at the telephone exchange and, uh, and one of my workmates and I were trying to diagnose a fault that had occurred in the equipment over the weekend. And uh, this cause proved to be really difficult to find. And after a while, my workmate threw his hands up in frustration, went off cursing the equipment and went and had a cigarette. And I've got this clear picture in my mind. I'm on the ladder and I'm looking to my left and Murray's walking away and I suddenly had this realisation that if this had happened last week, I'd probably be walking away with him, venting my frustration just as he had. But here I was standing calmly on the ladder in front of the equipment and I suddenly realised that I had changed. It was obvious I've changed. Not because I was willing it, but because the Holy Spirit was at work in me and I was, I was changed. You see, the Holy Spirit wants to be our helper. But we have to walk it out and let him work in our lives. 
It's a case, I guess, of heaven and earth working together. God can give us an idea or a plan, but nothing will come of it until we walk it out because we have to be the hands and the feet that do the work. Let's look at Luke chapter 5, verses 4 to 9. Here we see Jesus was um, speaking at the lake. And when he finished speaking, this is Jesus said to Simon, put out in the deep water and let down the nets for a catch. And Simon answered, Master, we have worked hard all night and haven't caught anything. But because you say so, I will let down the nets. When they'd done so, they caught such a large number of fish that the nets began to break. So they signalled their partners in the other boat to come and help them. And they came and filled both boats so full that they began to sink. When Simon Peter saw this, he fell at Jesus' knees and said, Go away from me, Lord. I'm a sinful man. For he and his companions were astonished at the catch of fish that they had taken. You see, Jesus had told Peter where the fish were, but Peter still had to walk it out. Peter had to move his boat out into the deeper water, and he still had to lay out his nets. The fish didn't just jump out of the water and straight into the boat. Peter had to do some work, and he received a great catch for that work. I guess... Anyone can catch fish if God tells them where to catch them. But you have to walk it out and do your part. It's the walking out part that sometimes catches us out. We have this idea that God's told us to do something or go and catch some fish. But if we don't do anything else, nothing's going to happen because the fish aren't going to just jump out of the water and into your boat. As I said a moment ago, it's heaven and earth working together to bring about God's promises. And this in turn is dependent upon us hearing the voice of the Holy Spirit who is trying to help us and point us in the right direction. If we fail to hear the voice of the Holy Spirit or maybe we just ignore him, um, then we will miss the very thing that he's trying to help us with. Years ago, I was working for a company that ran a course aimed at improving customer service. And at um, one of these sessions, we were divided into small groups and each group was given a sheet of A4 paper and told to make a paper plane. The leader of the session told us that he would decide which group made the best paper plane. Now, everybody knows how to make a paper plane, don't we? Someone's person nodding no, but I think most of us do. So after a few moments of discussion, paper planes were being made and they were being flown around the room. Each group proudly brought their paper plane to the leader and then they were surprised when their design was rejected. I remember feeling (laughs) indignant because I thought our paper plane was excellent. It turned out that the leader had a specific design in mind And if we'd asked him what design he wanted, he would have shown us. And the underlying lesson was when a customer asks you for a product, you find out exactly what they want. You don't give them what you think they want. 
And I think that same principle applies to hearing what God has in mind for us. I know I've said it before that there's been occasions when I believe God has asked me to do something for him and I've raced off enthusiastically and got started on it without first waiting to hear how I'm supposed to do it. Didn't get the plan. I've heard the what to do part but missed the how to do it part. God's kingdom, see, works on revelation. God puts an idea in your head and then the Holy Spirit, as you wait on God, the Holy Spirit begins to reveal to you the process and how it's to be done. Hearing the Holy Spirit's voice is essential if we want success following God's plans. In his parables and in his actions, Jesus illustrated how God's revelation is essential in our lives. The story I just read about Peter catching more than a, more than a boatload of fish is one such uh, occasion. But we can find lots of other illustrations. So let's look at Matthew 17, verses 24 to 27. After Jesus and his disciples arrived in Capernaum, the collectors of the two drachma temple tax came to Peter and asked, doesn't your teacher pay the temple tax? Yes, he does, he replied. When Peter came into the house, Jesus was the first to speak. What do you think, Simon, he asked. From who do the kings of the earth collect duty and taxes? From their own children or from others? From others, Peter replied. Then the children are exempt, Jesus said to him. But so that we may not cause offence, go to the lake and throw out your line. Take the first fish you catch, open its mouth, and you will find a four drachma coin. Take it and give it to them for my tax and yours. Seems kind of strange, doesn't it? Peter needs some money for the temple tax. And where does Jesus tell him to go and collect it? (laughs) From the mouth of a fish. Matthew doesn't tell us what Peter's reaction to this direction was. But the underlying principle is getting a revelation from God works. Jesus revealed the location of, of what was needed, the method that was needed, the timing and get the other finger up, and the process. Jesus was showing Peter that the kingdom of heaven operates by revelation. And that same principle still works for us. Sometimes the revelation the Holy Spirit is showing us doesn't always seem to be, what would you say, make sense to our natural thinking. Sometimes you are thinking, well, why is God doing this? But of course he can see more than we can see. About... 16 or 17 years ago, I was um, doing a lot of preaching here at the church and I began to feel that God was telling me to change my style of preaching and just to preach simple gospel messages. And I was kind of thinking, why? Just everybody here is a Christian. And then I'm not an evangelist, so this type of preaching moved me out of my comfort zone. Not only that, it was obvious to me that Not everybody thought these sermons were up to the standard they were expecting. (laughs) 
because I can tell you, and anybody who's a preacher here knows that when you're preaching, you can see the expression on people's face, you know, whether they're listening and enjoying it or whether they're snoring or looking at their phone or whatever, right? So I began to feel uncomfortable. And I was starting to wonder, did I get this wrong? But after sort of thinking about it, I decided to persevere. And it was some weeks after that that I began to see what was actually going on. There was something going on under my nose that I hadn't noticed. You see, a year or two, going back a year or so, um, Brett had um, completed his IT course and at his graduation, uh, one of the speakers made the comment that at that moment in time, there weren't too many jobs in IT for graduates and uh, they should expect to have to wait for some months to get a job. Well, I mean, that's not good news when you're just graduating from a course to be told that. There's nothing going at the moment. So Brett managed to get some work in the meantime, working in the fruit and veg at Woolworths. There was a number of young men working there, and as time went by, he became friends with them and uh, began asking them to the evening church services that we used to have. A number of them began to attend our church services and you know, a crowd seems to attract a crowd. And some other young guys who weren't from Woolworths started coming along as well. And um, they began to attend. And I think there was about seven or eight young men started attending our church. Most of them had no previous church connection. And so these simple gospel messages that I preached on Sunday nights were exactly what they needed to hear. Right? God knew ahead of time what was happening didn't make sense to me, but God knew what was about to happen and had planned for it. And then when I realised that, I was glad that I'd heard and acted on what the Holy Spirit was showing me. The Holy Spirit is with us to give us practical help. Let's read Acts 2, verses 1 to 12. When the day of Pentecost came... They were all together in one place and suddenly a sound like blowing a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. And all of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Now, they were staying in Jerusalem, God-fearing Jews from every nation under heaven. And when they heard this sound, a crowd came together in bewilderment because each one heard their own language being spoken. Utterly amazed, they asked, aren't all these who are speaking Galileans? How is it that we each of us hears them in our own native language? Parthians, Medes? Elamites, residents of Mesopotamia, Judea and Cappadocia, Pontus and Asia, Phrygia and Pamphylia, Egypt and the parts of Libya near Cyrene, visitors from Rome, both Jews and converts to Judaism, Cretans and Arabs. We hear them declaring the wonders of God in our own languages. Amazed and perplexed, they ask one another, what does this mean? Sounds amazing, doesn't it? It defies our natural logic. 
but was this event just limited to this one occasion? <clears throat> Recently, I've been reading a book that used to belong to Gay's mum, and it's called Breakthrough, Rediscovering the Holy Spirit, and it was written by Alan Walker, and it was published in 1969, so it's quite old. It's not a new book. And um, I've probably mentioned before, I had the pleasure of meeting Alan Walker in, I think, 1984, and um, by that time, <laughs> he'd earned the distinguished title of the Reverend Doctor Sir Alan Walker, uh, and he came to Sejuna to run a mission that we were running in a church there. He was a humble man, but he was the most successful evangelist I've ever come across. He was, had quite an effect on me, I realised, as time went by. So, getting back to his book that I've been reading, Alan Walker tells that of a trip that he took to Fiji, perhaps in the late 50s, early 60s, and uh, after preaching at some of the islands around Fiji, he ended up uh, in Suva for meetings at Albert Park. In those days, many Fijians couldn't speak English. They knew some English words but couldn't really speak English. And so it was advised, he was advised to have an interpreter as he spoke. <clears throat> at the first meeting, there were 12,000 people present and hundreds came forward to give their lives to Jesus as Lord and Saviour. The next day, he received a lot of surprising feedback. He was told that he no longer needed an interpreter because although he was speaking in English, those who couldn't speak English understood what he was saying. Right? Each meeting after that, he spoke in English without an interpreter and people understood and responded to his preaching. As on the day of Pentecost, when people heard Peter and the others disciples speaking in a language that they understood, so it was for Alan Walker in Fiji. When the Holy Spirit is working in our lives, he endues us with power and helps us to overcome what might seem to us to be insurmountable barriers. When the Holy Spirit came onto those first disciples on the day of Pentecost, he empowered them to do miraculous things, the same sort of things that Jesus had done. And Jesus wanted to see his disciples be empowered by the Holy Spirit and had commanded them to wait in Jerusalem until the Holy Spirit had come on them. <coughs> Pardon me. In Acts 1, verses 4 and 5 says, On one occasion when he was eating with them, he gave them this command. Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptised with water, but in a few days you will be baptised with the Holy Spirit. On the day of Pentecost, when the Holy Spirit had come upon them, they began to speak in other tongues, and this action came to be seen as proof the disciples were filled with the Holy Spirit. But I think it went further than that. Speaking in tongues was also seen, as we see it now, as a prayer language that each believer could use. And it gave them access to the thoughts and plans of God. And so it still is. It is a, a powerful tool for us to use in our prayer language. Paul gives us an insight in 1 Corinthians 14.4. Anyone who speaks in a tongue edifies themselves, but the one who prophesies 
edifies the church. Now, I've got to confess that most times I've read that verse, I've focused on the second part of the verse. That is, that says that prophecy edifies the church. And that's good. That's true. It does. But the first part of the verse tells us that if anyone speaks in a tongue, that is, like speaking in tongues, their prayer language, it will edify them. And that was a bit of a revelation. Otherwise, I've missed this all the time. Anyone who speaks in the tongue edifies themselves. What does edify mean? In the Bible, it's a transitive verb that means to instruct and improve, especially in moral and religious knowledge, to uplift, enlighten, inform and establish. So I'm sure that we all want to be edified and it can happen simply by using our prayer language. As we involve the Holy Spirit in our lives, he will change our thinking. He will give us insight into what God is wanting to do in our lives. He will show us when and where to act on God's will. He wants to fill us with his power. If we read Acts chapter 1, verse 8, it says, But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. You will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. So just looking at the first part of this verse, it says you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. I'm making, I guess rephrasing that and making that a personal statement. We could say I will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on me. I will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on me. I'm going to invite you to repeat that after me. I will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on me. God has got this secret weapon on, in the earth realm and that is our being able to pray in tongues, praying the perfect will of God into your situation. You can do it today. If, you like, if you can't speak in tongues but would like to, then I invite you to come forward in a few minutes and we will, after we close, and we'll be happy to pray with you. The Holy Spirit empowers us, so don't ignore him. Use your prayer language and be edified, that is, built up. We have this great power at our disposal that we just need to make use of, and it comes freely. God wants us to be filled. Jesus said he wants us to be filled with power, to be filled with the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit is here with us this day and is inside of us. We just need to say, I will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on me and go forward in power each day expecting great things. Let's pray together. Lord, I just thank you that you've prepared this way for us um, to be your disciples but not just to be disciples with their head, but be disciples who are filled with power from your Holy Spirit. And I thank you, Lord, that this is your plan and this is what you want, as Jesus has said, and uh, you have these great plans for us. So, Lord, I thank you, Holy Spirit, that you're coming on us right now in power and touching our hearts.
wherever we are in our spiritual walk, that you are here and you're touching us now. I just thank you for that, Lord, now. Be with each person here and those who are watching online. Lord, just bless each person as we go away this day. And Lord, I pray that now in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Thanks for listening to this week's message. If you enjoyed today's podcast, make sure you subscribe to stay up to date with all our latest sermons. If you would like to get connected, you can find us on Facebook at Bridge City Church or come along to our Sunday service at 10am.